Welcome to the Breaking Chains Crypto Podcast. Every fortnight, we delve into the rumor mills, the developments, the industry news behind crypto, DeFi, Web3, and what makes the industry tick. From an insider's perspective on the true secrets and developments of what really makes a difference, how we're coming out of the crypto winter, and how the most exciting coins, tokens, and verticals to emerge from the industry will change the world. Stay tuned for more news from Breaking Chains. Welcome to this week's episode of Breaking Chains Crypto, a brand new podcast hosted by the team that brought you the Yield app. In this first episode with Reese, Lucas Keeley, along with Ajit Tripathi, we discuss the current landscape and share reasons why we think the battle of the L2s is only just getting started. And ChatGPT is in the news. While incredibly useful, we think it has striking similarities to being a big four consultant. And why has South Korea shown evidence that it's a fertile ground for producing some notable degens? Find out on this week's Breaking Chains Crypto. Hi, guys. Uh, welcome to the first edition of the Breaking Chains podcast. And uh, this week, uh, as we will have every week, we have myself, Lucas, uh, Reese. And Ajit, and so welcome to the show, guys. And I guess this is going to be the first of many. So uh, yeah, Reese, uh, back in Bangkok. It's been a while. It's been a while, mate. It's been a while. It's great to be back here, though. It's great to be back here. Uh, great to see you, Lucas and Andres. Ajit, where in the world are you? I'm in Dubai now. You know, it's the crypto Miami, crypto capital of the East, uh, apparently. Yeah. And it's another, another of, mecca uh, in the Middle East. Well, yeah, quite a few luminaries are moving here, as you're aware. Uh, there were yeah. some rumors of Caroline moving here. That didn't happen, thankfully. Uh, but there is quite a nice crypto. How she's single now, here. mate? I think you missed the flight, didn't she? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that information is not useful to me because I'm married, but uh, <laughs> Well, uh, you're living the dream down there, mate. Um, so we're, we're, we're just slumming it in Bangkok, as, as always. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting time this past... 12 months in, in, in crypto for sure. I mean, we, we've, uh, we've seen, seen it all and done it all. Um, and here we are at the other side with a, with a, a sort of, uh, a, a rally into the, into the start of the year, which has got a lot of people excited. So it seems like a good time to start, uh, this podcast. Um, and so, you know, fun, fun, funny things have happened, right? We've seen, you know, FTX go from the greatest, the greatest minds, uh, in crypto to being, you know, proven to be complete frauds. We've obviously seen the blow up of Celsius, BlockFi, Three Arrows, Terra Luna, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and the list keeps running. So, uh, yeah, why don't we sort of start with uh, a recap, maybe. Reese, what are your thoughts on, on 2022 and, and, and where we're headed now? Uh, 2022, uh, the ultimate tide is out year, I guess, Lucas. So there was um, obviously like a chain of events that cause um, a lot of people to become exposed to what they're actually carrying out. I think yourself and I had these discussions around what risk management looks in the space and um, where trust was being placed. Then I think even the parties where we assume to have the highest level of trust, FTX and um, Elevator, et cetera, um, the word arguably the biggest market makers in this business turned out to also... Uh, not be adhering to like the kind of risk we'd expect from a uh, developed industry. 
um, uh, hard to say, like, I guess from like 2017 to now, like we have more institutional capital, but it's not being ran like institutional capital. Um, yeah, I think that this, it, it's a good wake up call, I think for, um, the expectations we have around how people behave in this uh, ecosystem. So, but yeah, I guess like we'll see like the, this continue to wash out in 2023, but uh, it's certainly an eventful 2022. So the ultimate tide is out year, I'll say for 2022. What about you, Ajit? Do you think uh, we look back on 2022 and the lessons we're going to learn going forward? Or do you think uh, we'll make the same mistakes? Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't think anyone ever learns anything in markets, particularly right? I think the, the collective mass of our learnings is called regulation. Uh, otherwise, you know, market participants, uh, there's always a new f- uh, flow of new people or people who have goldfish memory. And as soon as, you know, the super cycle starts again, people forget all the lessons of Terra Luna and everything. In fact, you see, you know, Bonk no. and the I dog. Mean, mate, dog all of that's stored on chain. Again. We're never going to forget that. It's all going to uh, be yeah, stored right, on right, chain, right. mate. It's going to be. Wait, <laughs> did, you, did you say, did you say the super cycle? I thought I heard you say the super cycle. <laughs> Yeah, no, from Mario Kart. The super. Oh, that was the Coopers, wasn't it? Oh, the Cooper tree. No, the 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 fun thing is, I met Suzu in Crypto Bahamas, right? And and I asked him if he was doing psyops, and he said, "No, I'm serious about it." And he was serious about it. And I think as soon as uh, and and somebody tried to sell me a private jet in the Bahamas, and I looked at myself and I said, "Man, I drive a Honda." So and and that was the. But you drive an NSX, mate. You're not driving a, a a Civic, are you? I'm driving an SUV, so it's, uh, it's the market is not so bad, right? And we haven't got to the used civic levels yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one more drawdown, Ajit. One more drawdown. So funny one story more, about Suzu. Uh, I used to work with Suzu at, at Credit Suisse back in the days. He used to work for a guy called uh, Harge and Dave Best on the on the Delta One desk at Credit Suisse. And I remember him and Kyle working away, and uh, I, I sat on on exotic trading and. Uh, they 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 left. They came in and, and resigned one day and, and set up their emerging market currency arbitrage fund and uh, did a whip around Hong Kong and Singapore and uh, didn't work out too well. And, well, uh, it did work out. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, it didn't work out back in the day when they were doing the the currency arbitrage stuff. No, exactly right. And okay. uh, so, like many people in in. Uh, in 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 fund funds uh, or set up funds or businesses uh, in crypto who come from tradfi a lot of it's like you know I've got some lessons learned from this or and you know a lot of the the lessons that 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 I learned being in CS and and seeing these guys and 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 what they're about and then coming to us to raise money etc was just like you know what you know this is not where we want to be so I mean we didn't we didn't do much so we didn't do anything with them um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's I think. The, the thing for me is finance, whether it's crypto or traditional finance, is a people business, right? And people businesses are, are about trust and whether you believe that person with your capital is going to do the right thing with it. And that's about character, right? It's about uh, what's, what happens when the shit hits the fan. How do you react to it? And, you know, we can go through, you know, uh, a plethora yeah. of stories around how managers have managed the FTX fallout and how they've tried to trade out of it. And some of it has been quite shocking, right? So really, that's, that's stunning. Yeah, you would I, think that. 
It's a funny part is I met Suzu in Dubai two weeks ago and I asked him some of these questions and maybe we'll try and invite him to the, one of our shows. Uh, so uh, so I, I think, uh, first of all, crypto is slightly different from you know some of the other more mature markets because there are no hedging instruments. Right? I mean, there is a very thin options market uh, in crypto. There is only, and there's a lot of liquidity on perps. But you don't really have some of the sophistication of risk management or, or, or even at the instrument level or in terms of systems, right? So you might have 18 monitors to trade, but you're not really looking at any of the, the processes, ops, uh, or anything in, uh, that you might see if you're trading at a trading floor at Goldman, right? No, now, I would disagree uh, with that. I would actually disagree with that. And the reason why I would disagree with that is you can buy... buy portfolio management systems, be it uh, Infusion, be it um, Elwood from Brevin Howard, uh, you can get um, uh, numerics, etc. They all have the full risk suite, the full vol surfaces, you could you could get Synoption uh, from the guy, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Angel Jane, who used to run uh, FX the, options FX, uh, at JP Morgan, right? And uh, and you see this stuff, right? And and Reese and I have gone through all this stuff and seen all the tooling that exists for options and option market making and option pricing and and etc. The problem, right? The real problem uh, is this, right? Is the ISDA for you know bilateral agreements or standard ISDA has only just come out? I think yeah, in the last uh, week, right? So I saw an ISDA come out last week. Mm-hmm. Everything is bilateral, uh, and yeah. In yeah. crypto, right, you're dealing in bearer instruments, right? So when you're dealing in bearer instruments, uh, how do you get uh, institutions to come and trade with you when regulated institutions are capital constrained due to Basel III, so they have to play on the CME or futures? You, you've you got cash settled or physical like Bitcoin, et cetera. And, and let's say I want to trade with Goldman Sachs. I've got physical. They've got synthetic. I want to tell a call option to Goldman and I, I want to give them my collateral as Bitcoin, but they can't take it. So then I have to give that to, let's say, Anchorage, which is partly owned by Goldman. Anchorage <laughs> holds it there. And Goldman loans me money cash against that collateral. And then I give the money back to Goldman as, as margin. It's just impossible to do. And so you you, yeah. you remove the the key liquidity providers from TradFi from, from the space. It doesn't mean the tooling's not there or the pricing mechanism's there. You look at someone like Orbit or... QCP or some of these other guys, they're, they're like all very advanced, uh, experienced options traders. And it doesn't matter what you're trading the option on. You've still got the same Greeks and depending on the way that asset yeah, price moves. So, so where are these option markets, right? I mean, most of this stuff is bilateral because if, when I try to trade options on Binance, I mean, there are very few options on on some of the more liquid tokens. FX markets are the most bilateral markets. Right? There is a lot of money to be made. But if you look uh, at yeah, just I mean, basic effects, it's bilateral OTC, true. right? Yeah. So yeah, that, if you've just got bilateral true. OTC, it's no different than that. The problem is there's just not enough players, right? And ultimately, let's say that I've got, you know, you're dealing in an 80 vol asset class and you sit there and say, well, I'm just going to run deltas against it. Well, you're going to take a lot of the vol of vol in crypto is actually quite high because you just yeah, have so- moments of vol. Yeah, I mean, it would see one of the things we have, you know, uh, not all of our audience is going to be very, you know, uh, come from the same experience as us. One of the things is uh, uh, Suzu's, most of Suzu and 3AC's troubles are essentially with their counterparties. So, you know, there is not like, uh, yeah, they might have made some representations or sent some letters to their counterparties to borrow, which may not be entirely accurate. 
But uh, that's something they can resolve with their counterparties because there's no, unlike Gemini, there is no retail money involved here, right? I mean, as far as I'm aware, at least not directly. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so I think that's kind of a mitigating factor for the for for three arrows, as in you know, as long as they bilaterally, trilaterally, essentially settle okay. their disputes with their so, counterparties, they're in a good shape. But they're not they're not going to. I can guarantee you, there's no one in their right mind going to enter into a new bilateral with Susie or Carl Davis anytime soon, right? Because ultimately your risk reward for that outcome is if something goes wrong, it's very easy to say, well, why would you do that? Like, why did you do that in the first place, given the history? Like if we look at the history of managers or people we've done DD on, right? And we look at people and say, oh, this guy's really good. This manager's got great performance. These guys have done amazingly well. You do a basic background check on some of the some of the key players in this industry or some of the key uh founders, right? And you say, okay, what's your background? Oh, you've got an SEC sanction for fraud and embezzlement. Oh, you've got an SEC sanction for market timing. Or you've got liens over your assets. Do they look the at IRS. all this stuff in crypto? Yeah, it's, it's mean, all, it all exists, right? And you can't... I, I don't know if crypto markets are at that level of maturity, right? So we might be expecting a little bit of a higher... I think we might be talking about a slightly higher end of institutions than I think like typical crypto funds or family offices or crypto yeah, but, hedge funds or liquid but, funds but, that are typically. But what's your point, crypto, right? right? My, are, this point. is not necessarily the my point is this isn't necessarily the Wall Street and some of the some of the ideas is, and Wall Street also is quite forgiving, right? So LTCM guys came back and started another fund. I mean, we have uh, 0.72, which is running really well. So, so I think there no, are... 0.72 was, is, was just a family a office people. now, right? It's not like it's a hedge fund again. It's just a family office. I mean, office. most hedge funds are family offices now, right? Because they are trying to avoid regulatory reporting requirements. Even Archegos was a family office. That's so true. no one particularly likes to be regulated. So yeah, I mean, uh, so I think... I, I genuinely believe Wall Street is very forgiving and crypto Wall Street is even more forgiving. So it's uh, not entirely mm. un- inconceivable that there'll be some counterparties that are willing to take a risk. And I, I, you know, that's kind of where I think that's why they're starting this GTX exchange, which I think a lot of Twitter folks made a lot of fun of, uh, which will essentially trade uh, you know, claims on FTX, right? The Tokenized G- claims on FTX. So th- that's a pretty interesting idea there. And yeah. Do you think it's now like since the FTX stuff came out and Sam was involved with retail money, uh, Sam, like Suzu and Kyle have come to the forefront because they're essentially the cleanest, dirty shirt in the laundry now, right? Because you have, <laughs> that's, that, that's what it is, right? You have Doquan, retail <laughs> yeah. money, Sam, a yeah. lot of retail money, in, Celsius money. retail money. Yeah, Tom Brady yeah. money. You know, you don't want that money. money. You don't want that stuff, man. You don't want yeah. Tom Brady's money. Yeah, um, and, and it kept getting darker and darker, right? Like it's yeah. like Harry Potter. You start yeah, that's with the right, first right. movie and it's have... kind of nice and fun, and by the time you get to the end, you have outright... You know, you have a polycule, you have outright fraud and theft. That's that's exactly right, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and now you have like Sue, like Sue and Kyle go, well, at least we didn't defraud retail. We can probably take a shot, right? And that this is like yeah. they're like, yeah. they're starting yeah. their character arc, right? Is that this is our prime opportunity? That's where I saw it coming from. They've got like now we are the cleanest dirty shirt. We might as well take a shot. And like they just reemerged. <laughs> You know, on uh, crypto Twitter and started, uh, yeah, I guess, started yeah. their like PR roadmap for GTX, right? And there are so many others out there, right? And we don't even know. I mean, and there were founders that started dying at the bottom of the market. I think it's not even clear who's actually dead, but there were two or three folks who were, you know, without mentioning anyone in case they're actually dead. 
who were declared dead or lost at the at the bottom of the collapse. I know what's absolutely dead, and this isn't yeah. going to rise from the from the uh, from the depths like Lazarus, right? Is going to be mm-hmm. Terra Luna. That's absolutely dead in the water. <laughs> I think the sunset. Really? You know, sunset. Absolutely. Have, have you been watching the token price? Oh, the the classic. I think I've still uh, got yeah. some three X levered on the. What I bought at like point zero 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 one or something. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me I'm up like ten thousand <laughs> percent? Oh dear, no. I, I think I think look. I think for me, twenty twenty two is really really simple. It just shows that you can't let the children manage the money anymore. And I think uh, we started to see. You know, as as the institutional uh, big players entered the game, uh, simple players who started out as you know crypto native were just getting completely destroyed. Uh, let's let's take a very very classic case of um, poor maths, right? Terra Luna modeling stress testing. I don't know if you have saw the stress testing paper on on Terra Luna, but that stuff was just like that came from Harvard, like really. And, you know, you could just pick holes in the math instantly. <laughs> and no one checked it because, it oh, it came from this guy. He's at Harvard and this is great. And I think yeah, when Reese and I modeled it, Stanford. Yeah, we, yeah. when Reese and I modeled it, we were like, you what? No, this isn't, this is not, this is, this was last November 21. We mm. learned that. What was your liquidity threshold of, of Terra Luna before you thought it would crash completely? 10%. 10% or something like that. It was like, it was just 10%. like, we couldn't get away from it. It was like, really? 10% of UST removed yeah. from Anchor would collapse it. Yeah. And we were like, why would we, why would you touch that? Hmm. And I think, I think the, 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 the tough thing for us is you can't go out on, on crypto Twitter and say, and, and just be a hater, right? You, you just better just to shut up and and say nothing and 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 trade accordingly but what was happening was like the big players would come into the space be it the citadels be it the you know the um the other big market makers or the big hedge funds and they would just point a gun at the 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 sheer lack of depth and liquidity in the market and say okay we can move this for a billion dollars or we can move this for half a billion dollars and the risk reward is is perfect and mm-hmm. it's amazing like if you see you know the 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 rally in in Bitcoin at the start of the year. What happened? It was the start of the Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, U.S. market closed 4 p.m. and all of a sudden, there's this big move in BTC and the market starts to go and go and then it just gets a massive short squeeze and it's pushed all the way through 20k and everyone's like, oh, it's the start of the bull run. It's like no, there's yes. literally <laughs> zero liquidity for the next three days. And they're just picking out all the stops and going to just force it higher and higher. Did you notice that the subsequent rally was also Friday? Yeah. Same same play. And then in that time, you take someone like Coinbase stock, it's up nearly 100% as of Friday close yeah. in a week. I'm like, hold on, what's going on here? I mean, it's like GameStop all over again, right? It's just... You know, we've you've got to you've got to realize that the the crypto market itself is is so manipulated, mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't understand. Like, you know, if I was a regulator, it's the one thing I'd want to clamp down on is the the, the market manipulation in crypto. And that's uh, but it's structural, right? If you, uh, I mean, market making, exchange, custody, and venture—they're all sitting in the same firms under the same umbrella. There is no like segregation of any sort. There are no Chinese walls between these things. There are no mm-hmm. controls. So it's, it's uh, yeah, there are, I mean, it's like the securities market from the 1920s or something. I don't know, the pre-1934 Act and a lot of rules after that. So it's, it, unless unless there is kind of, you know, segregation across these things, uh, 
at least custody and exchange and market making, you're always going to have uh, very opaque, uh, unpredictable markets. At, and then, you know, it's very, very hard to short anything in this market, right? Because, I mean, it's so easy to liquidate anyone. Uh, oh no no absolutely price, yeah. absolutely and, and it's yeah. only been made worse right because we had like all the market maker money was obviously on ftx right and that some got out but not a lot of it so we're just dealing on very thin markets even you know before this all this fallout happened it was really ftx was the driver of volume because it's arguably it was the best place uh functionally to trade um i, I guess <laughs> from a yeah. top level anyway like i don't think anyone was aware of like the old God mode that uh, Alameda had access to. It would have been nice to have <laughs> to have that setting turn on my account. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, even then the, the, the books were thin in specific assets, but now it's very, very yeah. thin, you know. So I was gonna say other things that have kind of changed uh going into 23 is chat GPT and and um open AI. I mean, you've got thoughts on that? I've got yeah. some big thoughts on that. And so. ZK and ZK. So you know how the venture business runs on memes yeah. and uh, so the three biggest things right, right now are open AI and everyone is really excited about chat GPT. And there were a whole bunch of web three VCs and that I'm aware of who were pivoting to AI and there was quite a bit of a Twitter joke going around about uh, you know how do we uh, who who is Vitalik pivoting to AI or something? So that's one. The other is zk zero knowledge. You know, and uh, most people have zero knowledge about zero knowledge. I'm probably one of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> now with zk rollups going live, makes uh, a mockery of KYC when, zero knowledge. <laughs> uh, depends on how you use it, right? So, so N- NKYC no knowledge, and, no knowledge of your customer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Ethereum scaling has pushed zero knowledge research forward by at least two three years. So. Uh, so let's see, right? I mean, Q1, we'll have a year, a year full of ZK rollups going live. So, so I had a bit uh, of fun. Of the things going live. So I had a bit of fun with uh, ChatGPT. And uh, I decided to see, okay, how good is it at, you know, we, we it's, it's written by geeks for geeks at the moment. But ultimately, what if it was a bit like Bitcoin, really? Um, what if I asked it to, so I, I asked it to do something for me. I said, can you make an interpretive argument about the 13th century poem, Fowls in the Frith, which is a five-line poem uh, written in the 13th century. And, and the text is really simple. It says, uh, Fowls in the Frith, the fist is in the flood, and a mon wax wad, such sorrow I walk with for best of bon and blood. Or, and that's the that's the poem. So I asked ChatGPT about this, and it said, uh, Fowls in the Frith is a 13th century Middle English poem that is believed to have been written by an anonymous author. The poem is a humorous and satirical work that centers around the theme of the relationship between the humans and nature. Hearn takes the form of a dialogue between a group of birds who are discussing the arrival of a group of hunters in the forest. But no, it's not. So That's a five-line uh, poem. For... <laughs> and it's just gone like up on a tangent. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, you know, Chad GPT is like a consultant, and I've been a consultant at PwC, right? So, I mean, it sounds like it knows what they're talking about, and Chad GPT is very good at that. But it may not necessarily know what Chad GPT is talking about. So it's a bit like PwC and McKinsey over there. With, you know, due apologies to my friends. One of the questions I really wanted to ask Chad GPT was, sir, when token? And unfortunately, there is no token and they're starting to charge. You know, I was I was hoping I would get an airdrop for using Chad GPT and it could be like Web3 all over again. But that seems to be not the case. What about what about when Binance, Ajit? Can uh, Chad GPT give us a when Binance? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried that. It actually thinks that my, my 13th century anonymous medieval poem paints a picture of humans as being destructive and disrespectful towards the natural world and the birds serve as a metaphor 
for the innocent victims of human actions. This poem is also a call to action, urging humans to take responsibility for their actions and to show more respect for the environment. This is a five-line 13th century medieval poem, and you're right. It's like dealing with a consultant. I mean, you can turn anything into a climate change activist, and I think we've just done that with ChatGTP. <laughs> oh, well. So, oh. so, so I, I think the, so AI is a big meme, ZK is a big meme, uh, uh, you know, and then I think there's a lot of excitement around the Moo programming language and some of the smart contract platforms, and we've seen the Aptos uh, the, the you know the the xing of the Aptos price. Uh, some say it's because of Binance. Binance double dipped into two successive rounds of Aptos. That's quite rare for Binance ventures. And then Korea, right? Upbit had forty percent of the volume, and Aptos had this uh, hackathon going on in Korea. So there was a bit of uh, excitement around that as well. So pretty good for the Aptos guys. I mean, the, yeah, they're, no, absolutely. You know, they, 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 yeah, they they do have the vibe. Uh, uh, which, which is quite interesting. To be fair, they, they literally couldn't have launched a worse time, right? Like in between all that chaos going on with FTX in the market and a lot of those liquidations kicking off, it um, it launched into uh, like a bloody mess, right? So <laughs> at least it's um, yeah. it's had some resurgence once things have come green. And we saw that also with the optimism token, right? It hit its an all-time high. And those like the new shiny toys kind of thing, uh, Ajit, you know, like there were the new shiny things that came in late to the cycle. So they're getting their their attention now and um, probably for fair reason, right? So they do have some market um, differentiations that sit aside from the other chains. So it's it's still very early, right? I mean, this is year one for Aptos and Mistin and Fuel Labs. We're sort of building uh, you know, smart contract platforms or developer experiences that will directly compete with Ethereum and Cosmos. Awesome. Uh, so you know they're uh, looking to build safer, uh, more object-oriented programming experiences, which might be a better fit for gamers. So that's kind of the promise. And uh, you know, move came out of uh, DM, uh, the the Facebook Libra project. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of you know some of the primitives they built in. Uh, we're supposed to make smart contracts easier and safer to write. Let's see how that matures, the whole dev tooling. So there is some excitement around that, that amongst you know, a lot of VCs. So we saw a lot of you know, famous VCs, V16Z, Jump, and so on. Demasek get into quite a few of these uh, very large funds as well. Uh, now, uh, but obviously, you know that has nothing to do with, I'm sure, when uh, the price was going 5x. Uh, they, uh, they, people weren't necessarily thinking about the benefits of Moo programming language, right? I think it was more a liquidity-driven rally, and as you said, it kind of you know Aptos launched into a bad market, and and there is, it was also there is also low liquidity. But uh, I think they were doing a Korea hackathon, and uh, the folks in Korea, uh, everyone I know, I think was pretty excited about that. So. And and I, I don't think people remember that Korea, you know, Korea has always contributed to uh, some very big uh, up moves in quite a few tokens, including Ethereum. So 2016, 17, I think uh, our friends in Korea uh, contributed quite a bit to the uh, the price jump in Ethereum. And Korea happens to be the land of DGENs. Uh, you know, Do Kwan uh, came out of Korea. Some of the <laughs> riskiest plays come out of Korea. Uh, there was this uh, TV series uh what's the name of that tv series uh about uh, oh, oh I, I um the game so the game uh squid games uh, squid games that came out of korea so yeah, there is something absolutely. going on in korea with 
with like utter and complete uh, degen you know vibes well, and and there's something to be said about that sorry there, there's only one what's the greatest thing that ever came out of uh korea do you think if you really really had to uh think gangnam about style gangnam exactly style. right gangnam yeah. style do you remember sai yeah. was the guy right i think there's I'm trying to work out if it's if that song is the one hit wonder of the world, right? Is or is that or, or are we gonna <laughs> well, be the, the Chesney Hawks? Um the one and only could be the other the I'll, other one hit wonder. Yeah, I think I think Gangnam Style is it though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I I would love to have one of those hits against my name if I could have one. You know, it's uh, it's a bit sad to have only one hit, but then you would rather have one. Uh so there are quite a few blockchains that are, you know, one hit wonders as well, especially from the ICO era. So hopefully the third generation blockchains uh, will not end up there. And some of the L2s that are coming out now, I think Polygon will launch an L2, Arbitrum, Optimism, uh, ZK Sync, Starkware, Scroll. There are quite a few L2s that are coming online. Mm. Uh, so we'll see how this, you know, the L2 wars, uh, the L2 wars are just starting, right? And uh, uh, so, so we'll see how the Arbitrum haven't launched a token, Starkware haven't launched a token. Polygon ZKVM, you know, people, uh, there are people who complain about Polygon being not a true L2, but a sidechain. I think they will get their answer in Q1 with Polygon launching a true L2. So we had Alt L1 wars. Now we are going into Alt L2 wars. And, you know, purely from a tech perspective and ecosystem perspective, these, these are going to be really exciting times. Whatever happens to the prices, I think the tech wars are always fascinating. Ajay, like this compared to 2018, like 2023 is our maybe our 2019 i guess like we've had a year of down only markets when i think back to that last cycle the developer communities are so much richer now right like it's the activity level is because before like in that last cycle it was uh yeah maybe it's not gonna work kind of thing like maybe we don't have product market fit but i think in this last cycle although soaked with liquidity i guess from um a lot of economic stimulus, we saw a lot of product market fit in different verticals. Not only yeah. DeFi born from um, that down market, but um, we also like the NFT market ran in this cycle and really brought mm-hmm. in some Web2 users into Web3. They don't oh. really care about finance. Because, you know, let's be honest, like the average person doesn't really care about DeFi. They don't care about finance. That's not where the value proposition sits for them. But the NFT community seemed to bring obviously a, a lot of people that had a wide range of interests from a wide range of communities mm-hmm. they wanted to identify with. So what are your thoughts on that, mate? Yeah, so I think NFTs, see, we are looking at, uh, I, I, it's my personal view, right? So I, I believe we are looking at the financialization of everything on the internet, right? So whether it's uh, culture, right? Whether it's art or music or or, or, or anything, right? So, so, so those, uh, anything can now become something you can own and by extension, you can essentially sell or rent, which means you have a variety of property rights attached to, to a digital object, which wasn't possible before blockchain. So this is fundamental. It's phenomenal. I think people might have got a little bit too carried away by it. And, you know, in terms of how quickly things move, and that brought a lot of capital into blockchain. So pretty much every L1 or L2 has, you know, 300 plus million to spend. And that's way more money than I think we used to have in blockchains in total. Uh, you know, even at consensus, we didn't really have that kind of money. So, uh, so, so I think all that capital has brought in a lot of talent, right? So a lot of money is also getting wasted, of course, right? On, on conferences and I mean, no, uh, there are some good conferences and, you know, they're on parties, on yachts and uh, I mean, just straight up rugs and all that stuff. So there's a lot of, you know, grift and, and all that bathwater, the bathwater stuff. 
but there is a lot also a lot of baby so you know we're seeing much better talent come into the space whether it's on the tech side in fact a lot of web2 you know the google facebook the fang folks really forward in because you know the tokens seemed like a sure sign the, the the fastest path to wealth the ad agent the ad industry which is web2 wasn't really getting anywhere so it brought a lot of talent on the business and commercial side but it also brought a lot of talent on you know in terms of zk research some pretty i used to complain that we don't have enough phd's in the space because you know we can't really get the kind of research google guys were able to pull off but now we have that sort of talent you know we're seeing a lot of like stanford phd's and cornell phd's come into web3 which is pretty phenomenal and of course there are lots of app devs right so now people complain about not having apps but for the first time we have defi and defi is getting people really excited about tokenization right so i'm seeing Uh, private equity funds and uh, uh, dealing with banks and a lot of these uh, yield generating asset owners who are essentially saying look before defi which is last cycle we tried to do the real world tokenization and securitization but we didn't have anything you know we couldn't do anything because what do you do you issue a token then what right now it's possible to trade that token it's possible to borrow against that token so so i, I think this this is a pretty fundamental shift uh, and now you can use nfts in some of the defi protocols and the next generation might be gaming right uh, i mean internet has always been pushed forward by gamers uh, gamers that the the trend for internet culture i mean have have since tetris and pacman uh, and nintendo and god knows what else so maybe you know the next generation will be web3 gaming and yeah sure valuations have been crazy a huge amount of money has been wasted in you know on the play to earn thesis and god knows what else but you know it's it's not the failures that make the internet it's really one or two successes that show people how things can be done i mean people used to complain about google search right there is no business model there is a search and then there is no business model it went on for years and then suddenly google has a business model they surprise everyone with their earnings so i think we will see some of these Uh, pretty cool things happen on web3 as well uh, and lens protocol podcaster you know people are starting to explore now uh, things that are not necessarily focused on financialization you know so we know that we can financialize everything on the internet but now people are starting to explore use cases that do not focus on financialization right like the vitalik's uh, speech at ecc last year uh, referred to so so hopefully you know we are, we might we might be looking at what mark andreessen talks about but can't always give an example for that this is really the next iteration of the internet and it's definitely is the next iteration of the internet culture right everything my son does on discord is happening on blockchain it's interesting you say mark andreessen uh uh obviously he was uh, one of the founders of netscape back in the, in the 90s and and came out of uh, ncaa mosaic um the one of the things that we, uh, mark said which i think is is probably the best way of summing up uh why uh web3 and 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 tokens or or crypto is here to stay is if you think about web 1.0 it's an untrusted network um web 2.0 kind of built on that untrusted network with kind of single sign on social media uh be it you know login as google login as your facebook account etc um but in both web 1.0 and web 2.0 we're still paying for things with credit cards either manually writing them in or writing in our card numbers mm-hmm. and and entering our security code to get the transaction done or using a paypal everything becomes centralized <laughs> around some kind of payment system and the reason yeah. why that exists is because it's it's an untrusted network mm-hmm. but web 3.0 is is a trusted network and with a trusted network comes all the financial services that you can then employ on a trusted network that you couldn't employ Uh, mm-hmm. on web 1.0 and web 2.0. So 
that payment system or the ability to move value around a trusted network is is the important uh you know factor for why crypto needs to exist and and to be fair the the, the writing is is still on the wall as to whether or who wins the 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 web 3.0 kind of value system or value payments war and maybe there'll be multiple yeah. multiple payment systems because like we have multiple currencies but the the thing that i think people need to understand is that um crypto is here to stay because you've got a trusted yeah. network and in a trusted network you need uh a zero knowledge trustless payment system on a trusted network and it's the only way yeah. that we can do that and you know it, yeah. it's very interesting that people don't understand this concept because they haven't quite understood what Web 3.0 really does mean for mm. the ev evolution of the internet. And, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we starting our layer one uh, for reasons uh, that we we don't believe um, have been solved in Web 3.0 yet. And, and, and Arish, mm -hmm. you might want, you know, when we think about the problems we ran into in our, in our DeFi portfolio and why we had to build a layer one, it, it just became, you know, blare, uh, glaringly obvious that if we didn't do this, institutions wouldn't come mm -hmm. or if someone else didn't do it institutions can't come and you know Reese, i mean you've got a good 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 experience of doing this and we just found it didn't work right yeah well the, the current ecosystem isn't designed to be guarded by regulation it's not it's not designed to have safety rails and that's the the counterparty of like the true custody of having control of your own you know being your own bank right that means you have to treat that capital with security that you're probably not used to and or a managed risk you don't know how to understand. And that is normally uh, abstracted out to a financial institution in uh, real life, right, off chain. But when you take assets on chain, you have to absorb that responsibility. And, you know, when, when we talk to large institutions uh, around the fund and how they're viewing this space, we, from some large funds we spoke to only a few weeks ago uh, that everyone would know, we... Um, the response is, we love the space. We know this is the direction, but we can't touch it. We can't uh, deploy assets into a compound pool uh, because we don't know the counterparties and we have uh, regulations and uh, other, like, um, I guess, yeah. uh, restrictions on accessing that capital. When you don't know the, the counterparty, that really makes things very hard to manage from a risk perspective and so, I know, is that co-mingling problem yeah right? it's a co -mingling problem. all of a sudden you're co-mingled on, on chain with someone who's sanctioned right and then all of a sudden if you think regulators fine you uh and they get to keep the money to fund their budget in some in, in some jurisdictions if you're a bank using uh, a compound pool and all of a sudden you're co-mingling with a octa sanctioned address what stops the the regulator coming in and saying, "Oh, you're you're commingling with sanctioned addresses. Here's your fine. Thanks very much." The risk reward just isn't so, there. Yeah, so, so I have an anecdote about this, right? So when uh, I was uh, working with Stanley building out our uh, so we went to Genesis and we were essentially doing a roadshow around crypto Wall Street, uh, all the centralized institutions, and and we spoke to the Genesis guys, and they were you know they were like, "Oh, uh, who is the counterpart?" Who are we signing a contract with? Are we, are we signing a contract with the other companies? And we're like, no, the the counterparty is the smart contract, which is a which is a pool, right? This is where everyone deposits collateral, and then they borrow against collateral. So they were like, oh wait, so no, we need a credit counterparty. But the funny part about this is, uh, they essentially swapped a billion in Bitcoin with uh, against a billion of UST. 
So, you know, because, oh, sure, they had a credit counterparty, but at the end of the day, the underlying, I mean, what was that counterparty really worth given the the quality of the asset? So, so I think there are some, you know, and, and meanwhile, while all of the centralized, you know, uh, crypto institutions have, a lot of the crypto institutions have collapsed, uh, Aave, Uniswap, I mean, Aave, Compound, Nikadao, these these things are running strong and really you know, have been a, almost yeah. a, a symbol of financial stability. By the way, on that note, we are the guys who built one of the few centralized products that stayed strong throughout this crisis. So Yield.app, I have to give a shout out uh, to us for building something that has really you know, done a great job of uh, staying strong throughout this uh, credit crisis we've seen. Jay, that's an interesting point you make around like the the response that Genesis had on the counterparty because it's a little bit of a like a misnomer, right? Because even though the pool is pooled assets, there's still provable ownership of who owns their share in the pool, and you could define like a million counterparties, right? To that, uh, yeah, to that how I mean, a liquidity pool works. Uh, you can, but then it. Uh... But essentially, if there is a default, right? So how does how can compound or have a default? If let's say the smart contract gets exploited, no, no, not, not the counterpart, uh, yeah, not the, the contract then you, itself. Then you have no like... recourse, right? So there is no one you can sue. Whereas if you sign a contract with Suzu, then you can potentially take Sue to court. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'm more for like um, the immutability side of the responsibility and ownership on the the code. Um, but if we look at like Tornado Cash, for example. Um, if you deposit into Tornado Cash and those addresses are sanctioned, you know anyone that mm-hmm. withdraws from those uh, like those addresses while the pool itself um, is a yeah. smart contract, yeah. the ones affiliated yeah. Yeah. are the ones that are then uh, impacted by their ability to transact um, with those assets, right? Yeah, you can prove in Tornado Cash that your money was clean and you know it wasn't. Yeah, so so you can essentially you have traceability of funds. Yes, you do. And you need to provide those proofs, right? If requested. And I know there's a number of like fairly well-known uh, influences in the space that have gone down this path uh, with Coin Center, et cetera, around pursuing what it means to have to prove innocence uh, yearly. I think that's what they're requesting uh, for this kind of thing. I know there's ongoing lawsuits and things. It's a very like interesting um, directive from OFAC that uh, I don't think anyone really expected it to happen that quick or out of the blue kind of. And um, I think that was an interesting moment uh, for like what is, because we get into the what is free speech kind of thing yeah. when it comes to that. And that's a that's a can of worms. But as far as like an institutional level, that makes that look like uh, poison, right? Like it, it like it yeah. that makes that yeah. very yeah. difficult for them to touch. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that's a, the the actual, the tech bet- behind using proofs uh, in Tornado Cash is fantastic tech. It's very cool. And you know, Brilliant. something, something, some utility such as using payroll, like using ZKs for payroll mm-hmm. to abstract away, like what we take for granted in institutional, like traditional finance around anonymity, around uh, the the value of the assets you hold, uh, is something that tries to replicate, but unfortunately um, has other, like by default, uh, the design of it has a lot of other use cases. I think uh, see so now we have come to the the the, the elephant in the room topic right so the, the, we we spent some time talking about ma- markets and macro and interest rates but the big challenge at least in the US this year 
to the entire industry is going to be regulation because the public perception of the industry, which was going quite swimmingly well with Tom Brady and Matt Damon and even Sam was the darling of... Uh, and Larry David. We had Larry yeah. David. We had everything. We, <laughs> we had, had everything. everybody, right? <laughs> we had uh, Reese Witherspoon. Every celebrity wanted to work in this industry. We were getting everyone from Google and Facebook that we wanted to hire. And, and now it's a, it's a slightly different environment. Now everyone's friend is calling and saying, uh, why don't you maybe get a real job? So, so I think the public perception of the industry was hit really hard by you know the uh, Sam and FTX in particular because they were so well-known and popular and the, the size of the, the debacle was global and uh, about eight plus billion. So, uh, so I think that's also uh, brought, you know, Gary Gensler was meeting with uh, Sam, uh, Mr. Benham of CFTC was hanging out with Sam. So it's kind of brought a lot of egg on, you know, people's faces and which puts a lot of pressure, like Laura Shin said, right? Uh, it's not that they're going to, Look after Sam. Sam has made them look really bad and they're going to make an example out of him. But I think the bigger challenge is that uh, there's a lot of pressure on people to, uh, in, in policy circles, uh, mm. to do something. And that point. might be a bit of a knee jerk reaction than anything else. That's a good point, Lucas. Do you think the the flow on effect from that and Gensler's obviously affiliation with Sam and how the SEC looks in this is going to lead to like an overcorrection in where this was going? No, I don't. Um... Uh, Gensler was, you know, taught uh, crypto and, and blockchain at MIT before he became the uh, SEC chair, right? He knows the product inside and out, right? He's he's not uh, uh, stupid, right? The other thing a regulator's job is, is to look at the industry and make regulation that is uh, helpful to the industry, but protects its users, Right. Don't forget, another job of a regulator is to help in the formation of capital, right? And capital markets. Mm. And if, for example, you come out and over-regulate and you stop the formation of, 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 of capital, then you are going against your mandate too. So I also think that the, the Sam uh, Gensler meetings are a little bit overblown, right? I, I used to meet with the, the Bank of Japan board regularly when I ran uh, cross-market trading at CS. I used to go and meet with them because we had such huge exposures to uh, Japanese clients and, and, and the yen. I was wondering who was responsible for those buybacks, Luke. Exactly. It's exactly. You. you got the 10-year yields. Exactly. And uh, I mean, to sit with them and talk to them about all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's there's nothing nefarious or untoward that's gone on. They just need information. What's going on? What are you seeing in the markets? You're, you're, a, you're obviously a key... Uh, crossroad in the market, you see a lot of flow, tell us about what's going on. And then how do we think to protect and regulate our clients, right? Don't forget, FTX had an onshore business and an offshore business. Mm. And the onshore business, which was regulated and, and was under the scrutiny of, of US laws, um, is, 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 was solvent, right? There was no problems with FTX US. The problem is fraud is fraud, right? It doesn't matter what you do um to regulate if someone wants to commit fraud or will try to commit fraud the question is is how do you stop them quick enough and in what we found is that over the course of history uh where there's a will there's a way to conduct some nefarious activity uh, on a large scale and you know we see it with the adani mining thing at the moment we see this everywhere it doesn't matter what you touch Right. The question is, is yeah. as a as a user of these platforms, and, and I've always said that um, 
crypto exchanges are just private dark pools without a balance sheet. And because they have no balance sheet, the minute there's a problem, you're going to get rugged and they're just going to take the money from you. And and that's been always been our um our view at Yield Up, right? Is that don't put your money with any exchange uh because it's not a bank, right? They're not sitting there on a guarantee. They are running at the behest of users whilst users have capital there. And the minute that capital gets pulled, the people who are last out are going to get rugged. And that's just the way it is. And, and um, you know, the, if you look at the scale of the fraud that's happened at FTX and you think to yourself, okay, there wasn't just one person that knew about this. There's a whole bunch of people that must have known yeah. that assets that were not supposed to be commingled were being taken off the platform and used to go and punt in whatever area you want. And, you know, maybe... You thought, well, okay, if it works out, I'm going to be, you know, the richest man in the world. Because don't forget, he's essentially levering other people's money, right? And that the the outcome was the market turned, and they just ran out ran out of rope, and they and they hung themselves. And you know, I, I think a bigger problem is the way it was done. I think the way Binance came out or CZ came out, um, called them out, and then. I, I think the one that he did on Coinbase, I mean, should put him in prison. Why? Because Coinbase is a listed security on NASDAQ. You don't come out and make a statement that causes the market to crash or the stock to collapse because you've come out and said you don't have enough co- uh, Bitcoin to against uh, GBTC uh, or Grayscale. Uh, cause the market to crash. And Brian Armstrong has to come out and correct it. And so well, actually we've got over a million plus or whatever it was he came out with. But you shouldn't be allowed to say that. If I came out and said that in a bank and said, hey, these guys are doing X, Y, or Z, and I didn't have any proof of that whatsoever, and I caused a dislocation in that in that underlying asset, I'm, I'm going to be charged with securities, uh, market manipulation, yeah. right? Yeah, well, we've, we've seen this with Elon Musk and a few other uh, billionaires, mm. right, where people make uh, forward-looking statements or, uh, or statements in the market. And I think enforcement has generally been weak, and, you know, we still have Mr. Josh Howley, uh, uh, essentially starting a, a Pelosi bill, which essentially will ban insider trading by uh, by, by Congress and uh, by the members of the Congress and the Senate, right? So insider yeah. trading, there has been quite lax securities law enforcement against the powerful and the rich. But, but, uh, but hold on a second, but hold on a second, right? Bitcoin and Ethereum are not securities, right? So they're not governed by yeah, that's securities correct. law, right? But the ultimate thing that's is, another, is Coinbase yeah. is a security and you can't mm-hmm. come out and FUD a listed company, uh, cause a, an event in a security, and then you should be able to get away with it. I have a I real think, problem with that. I think the Elon one is like the from a few years ago when he said he had enough money to take it private, wasn't yeah. it? And it was like more of a, yeah, like and that caused a huge pump. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, I think I think this this whole market manipulation piece, and going back to the regulation question, right? What regulators need to do is do what they've done well for for decades, which is find the balance between allowing capital formation and growth and evolution of the products and protecting yeah. the users of those products. And that's yeah, how we and protecting balance. innovation, right? And protecting yeah, and innovation. Of course, so, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, innovation. Yeah. Right? But the only thing that FTX did, right? And if I'm really honest with you, this is the only, the only benefit that FTX gave the industry was it gave the TradFi companies have been working on their own chains, working on their own tokens, their own coins, their own platforms, time. And if I'm uh, a traditional financial services institution, I would be absolutely stoked that a crypto native firm has destroyed the trust in the crypto native industry and our trust is still in place. So if HSBC came out tomorrow and said, here's the HSBC 
uh, crypto exchange. You can trade all your crypto through HSBC. Uh, we will custody it. We will manage it. We'll give you the liquidity, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You just open your account. There's no place for a Binance anymore. There's no place for an FTX anymore because the trust is there. Right? Yeah. Trust is in that brand. And if you tell me that the minute Citibank turns on BTC trading on Velocity, if those of you don't know what Velocity is, it's the, uh, it's the institutional grade FX platform. I'm not going to any other platform to trade my FX or my Bitcoin because it's so much better. And there's billions of dollars that have been spent on this. And, and don't forget, traditional financial services firms, especially the big one, can throw scale at this problem better than yeah. anyone else in the industry. Um, and they've been mm -hmm. doing it for years. I mean, HSBC has billions of dollars in digital assets in custody, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some of the meetings and calls that Reese and I have had with some of the biggest wealth managers in the world, they look at what we've done and they go, yeah, we'd love to do that. Um, but we've got regulatory capital controls that prevent us from doing it. But it's not hard for us to do it. Like we've done the work. We we can just turn it on when, when we're allowed to. And they're very well aware yeah. of the ecosystem. They're and FTX just undermined the whole industry. Yeah. And what did we see off the back of it? Well, market makers who had money on FTX have obviously had to make their spreads wider. And the market mm -hmm. depth is now shallower. So that means volatility is higher and uncertainty mm -hmm. is greater, which drives out people from the industry. Right? It's just, you know, you look at some of these funds who weren't on FTX, but were with, like, say, a Falcon X or someone who were on FTX. Their claim isn't against FTX now, it's against Falcon X. The contagion and the problems in the industry are, are manifest, right? It's just so bad. And all of this was done because the trust in the ecosystem or the industry, especially crypto native, has been completely destroyed. And well, I don't know where you go from there. Well, there is some good news for us, right? So there is a joke going around, and Henry Arslanian. You know, who runs PwC's crypto practice and is a very popular speaker. We should get him on a show uh, at some point. Yeah, he doesn't do that uh, anymore. He's now left that and he <laughs> is now running Nine Blocks Capital, uh, which oh, is a spin right. out oh, from Nine Blocks. Did he leave PwC? Yeah, he's left PwC. PwC. He's now, oh, the, okay. he's so now he... the co founder of Nine Blocks. And yeah, uh, yeah he's that's a spin out from Nine Blocks. Good for him. I, no. I, I, I love Henry. So, one of the things he said in one of his recent talks is that, you know, the era of kids running the industry is over. So I was like, okay, good. I'm I'm not a kid anymore. I worked in yep. compliance. Risk. I'm 46 years old. I worked on it uh, you know, with, with a bunch of traders. So good for good for all the older men and women. I mean, who have a little bit of experience in in actual risk management, compliance, no, and all of that. Absolutely, right. right? Industry and, 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 you're 100 right. And right? You're 100% right. And a lot of time for um for Henry. Um, you know, I know the fund. We've DD'd the fund. Um, we're happy with what they've got, etc. No problem there. And, you know, there's a great many things that we've got to look forward to going forwards, right? We've got a lot of things and cleaning out all the bad actors and cleaning out all the shit in this industry is like the best thing that could ever happen to it. Because there's some amazing tech. There's some very, very, very smart people writing some very, very innovative stuff. And it is accretive to the overall financial services industry globally, right? It allows people to be banked that otherwise couldn't be banked. Mm. It removes the reliance on centralization and, and monopolists in certain countries, especially in Africa and, and the Middle East. And it allows uh, finance to be normalized across the world uh, for anyone that wants to have the ability to own a wallet and transfer value, right? And, and I think that we've got that, that those things covered. What, what's destroying the industry is that centralization on the back of, well, if we centralize, we've got more liquidity. And obviously the likes of, you know, Uniswap, et cetera, are really trying to address that. And how do we create liquidity, but still decentralize? And that's yeah, so, the, so, that's where we're headed, right? Well, uh, so that's the best part, right? So I, I think uh, 
while money crypto was crumbling, uh, you know, we are almost coming to the end of uh, the show. The tech crypto made a made massive progress, right? Across ZK, across some of the things Cosmos guys have done with Interchain, across Ethereum scaling, across you know NFTs and DeFi. Uh, they've just been uh, in every ecosystem. There's been just phenomenal progress on the tech front. So maybe you know we really. Uh, so this year will probably be while I think you know the the society gets a handle on money crypto. Uh, you know the, how the institutions. Uh, the capital markets uh, entities in this in this industry should be governed and uh, how they should manage their risk and conduct. I think uh, that the fact that we have uh, you know so much talent coming in and so much innovation that's going on, so much research that's getting driven forward in this space, I think we're going to have a phenomenal phenomenal year in tech crypto. Uh, and that's probably the you know I've never been this bullish on the technology in this industry. As I am today, right? Even though I'm a little bit, uh, well, I'm fairly uh, sad about the state of money crypto. I'm extremely excited about the state of uh, tech crypto. No, absolutely. Um, I, I I think that the innovation has has really compounded and, and really accelerated in this space. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of lessons that I think we can take away from the past. You know, not just last year, but the last few years. And you know, getting that semblance of normalcy back into the market, and people focusing on the real value of of the industry, which is, you know, trustless payments in in on a secured network, right? That's what we want, right? That's 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 the future of finance, and and that's where we're headed. So yeah, I mean, yep. I don't think thoughts. you can stop the internet. So you know, whatever happens this year, uh, the march of the internet will continue because that's what the kids are working on, and that's, uh, that's what we need to be excited about. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up with some market thoughts, gentlemen. So is we've seen a little bit of a pump the last few weeks across crypto markets. We had uh, the rally in traditional markets uh, a few weeks before. So is the question for both of you gentlemen, is the crypto market decorrelating or is it just lagging traditional markets right now? Uh, some days it's leading, some days it's lagging. Uh, but I think it's, you know, as more and more institutions come in, we will see Correlations go up uh, a bit across crypto and equities, and especially as it gets more regulated as well. Okay, I, think, uh, I, think, I don't think I, it's yeah. It's I think, I think the, the the biggest issue, right, is that people need to understand that crypto is now considered a risk asset, and it's a risk on asset, and it's a risk off asset, right? So when markets look dicey, it's going to come off fast. When markets look, you know, pretty, you know, tepid, and, and it looks pretty, oh, the risk looks pretty tepid, then we're going to see that that rally. And what we're we're trying to see at the moment is if I were to look at correlation across risk assets, I would say the correlation has shown to be extremely high. We saw it with the sell-off and we saw it with the, with the rally back. Um, the only difference between these risk assets is these risk assets trade 24-7 and the moments of liquidity are, are, are finite, right? They're not, it's not fully liquid across that 24-7 cycle, three, three, six, five, right? You you have the weekend like we had where we saw that that rally higher. People are are interested in in the level still, and people are interested in the, in in the direction it's traveling. But I think we need to see thirty thirty thousand breach, uh, and then we'll start to see the basis pick up, and we'll see that that funding sort of people start to lever into it, and then we start to see do we get to hundred k this year or not. Now, I I have a very simple view that the macro backdrop is um is is actually quite solid. We're seeing inflation come off. Uh, I think that the SEC. I don't think wants to go too hard because we need to see wage inflation start to catch up, right? Without 
without the uh, the wage inflation that we need. You don't want to destroy the economy. You want to maintain that kind of momentum and and positive sentiment. So, you know, do we get, you know, one last hike at 50 basis points or do we get like a smoother 225s or something? Or do we just start to see we're going to wait and see? I mean, um, the market obviously is pricing in, in, in a hike, but, you know, we've started to see that inflation numbers come down. We've seen Eurozone Ooh. avoid recession today. There's a lot of positives coming into the market, right? And and ultimately, that means you want to own risk assets. And and the question is, is what's the right entry point? Was it the start of the year at 17,000 or just below 17,000? Or is that right entry point now? And maybe you get a bit of a pullback and it rallies higher. But it, it it's still, uh, you know, it's early doors yet, I think. Well, that's the, speaking of which, today's the 31st of January. We have FOMC this week. Let's do a estimated rate hike round table. Ajit, what are you what are your tips for uh, FOMC? This I would week? do I would do 50 bits, you know, really uh, make a very clear and an ambiguous message out to the markets about uh, the Fed's stance on inflation. Lock in 50 bits for Ajit. Yeah. Lucas. I think that a 25 bit hike would be enough to get uh markets excited. Mm. The question is, is what is the goal of the Fed, right? Is it to stabilize markets and get people, you know, uh, get that positive momentum back into into direction? Or if we come out with a 50 bips hike, you know, is it just so that if we hit another roadblock, they can they can cut rates to to kind of, you know, force drive the economy higher? But it's just I always find the Fed to be just completely reactive, right? Mm. Ultimately, uh I, I don't believe uh, monetary policy is the way to drive an economy. I think fiscal policy is is a better way of dealing with it. And I, I'd just love to see better infrastructure projects in the US, mm. for example. I'd like to see better. But I mean, I remember when Trump came into power, right? The the that EPA was preventing all sorts of projects, et cetera. And so we ended up building 13 aircraft carriers, right? Uh, uh, I think it was like 13, 15 billion dollars a pop. <laughs> And, you know, building an aircraft carrier is like building a city. It needs a runway, it needs a hotel, it needs, a, uh, you know, planes made, it needs everything, right? All the amount of work that goes into it, it's like it employs 100,000 people to build an aircraft carrier. That's fiscal stimulus right there. Mm. It would just been better deployed into, you know, fixing, you know... Infrastructure issues. Real infrastructure, yep. road issues, like trying to get from yep. Manhattan to... Sorry, going to get to JFK to Manhattan would be much easier if you yep. actually spend the money on it. But this all blocks, right? It all gets blocked up in regulation and legislation. And, you know, trying to get um, uh, roads built in, in California is just impossible. So what do you do if you want to stimulate the economy? You just spend it on the military. And people always blame it on the military-industrial complex, but it's not that, right? It's just, it's so difficult to get fiscal stimulus going unless you do it through the military. It's just the path of least resistance. Yeah, right? just get it done. And that's how you do it. You build it in aircraft carriers. An aircraft carrier is building a city. We build 13 new cities. China does it in ghost cities. It's the same stuff. 25 bips. Yeah, exactly. Is that it? Is that 25 bips, yeah. 25 bips, I think the market would be very excited about. I think 50 bips, we probably don't get much reaction from market. Anything outside that. I think it would scare a lot of people. I, I would, I would, I'm leaning more towards 50 bips, mainly because I do not have the exposure I need for 25 bips, Lucas. So. <laughs> <laughs> we might be sidelined. If it's yeah, I am sidelined, okay, so, my so friend. Think about it, think about it, right? The market expects 50, so you get 50, it's a bit of null. Right, Your risk reward is 25. It's right? pretty good. Yeah, your yeah, risk reward, I think you the market 25, expects the market 25. Uh, Do you think yeah, the expectation it, it, is Jamie 25? Diamond said the, yeah, the expectation is 10 to 25. Jamie Dimon said, you know, the market is already pricing in 25. 
Uh, we'll see. Uh, so he's probably uh, trading zero. Up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's yeah, sidelined. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all sidelined. All right, guys, why don't we wrap this up? It's uh, been a great show. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your time. Ajit, Reese, any final words? Yeah. That's ah, great. Looking forward to doing more of these and getting some guests on. And I think we've got a really good blend of traditional experience and the most up-to-date happenings in DeFi and Web3. And I think we're going to make for some great shows. Yeah, and we'll get some phenomenal guests. I think I have, I have some really... Like we know everybody in this industry, right? So, so I think it's going to be really exciting uh, to get some cool guests uh, next time. But it's great to get, get on the show with you guys. And, you know, this, and Tim and Brett... Uh, some of the OGs in the space, in the in the podcasting space. Uh, so it should be should be phenomenal. Sounds great. See, thanks a lot, Arjit. Thanks, Reese. Until next time. Thank you so much. Uh, cheers. Thanks, Jens. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. Bye.